before I start with our message as we're trying to reboot this, um, I don't know if it was announced earlier, but um, our birthday celebrants, um, let's give them um, a round of applause. Uh, Brother Edgar on April 5, Brother Noemel Quinones on the 6th, and again, Sister Loretta on the 6th, and our young brother Avery Luminarias on the 10th. Yeah, April celebrants. And then um, our church camping has been closed. If you didn't sign up, um, you didn't want to come, right? So, so we're going to, uh, the cabin assignments will be given to you, uh, will be given to us next week, hopefully by the business meeting, because business meeting will be next week. Uh, so please be here for the business meeting too if you are part of this church. Um, that's it. That's the announcements. I entitled our message, Fulfillment. Now, fulfillment is, a def is defined in the dictionary as uh, the noun of it is... <laughs> no, not that. It's the achievement of something desired, promised, or predicted. Um, or the, the meeting of a requirement or condition. Um, it's the fulfillment of someone's task, duty, or a role that is required or pledged or it was expected. So it was fulfilled, whatever was expected. Now, as we continue with our series, uh, The Road to the Cross, where we study and read the events leading to the, our Lord Jesus on His way to the cross, um, our hope as we study this is that we will appreciate the difficulty, the difficulty that our Lord Jesus went through, other than the notion that we already know, because we've heard it so many times, He's been crucified for our sins. And again, if we hear it all the time, we see it all the time, it, we tend to take it for granted. So hopefully, the, the, as we go through this journey, there's more appreciation that will uh, breed in our hearts for our Lord. Hopefully, our love for Him grows and and as we love Him, we become obedient to His commands. Amen? Amen. So please turn your Bibles over to Matthew. Um, we're going to be reading from the chapter 26, verses 45 to 56. Then He returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come, and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. While he was still sleeping, Judas, or one of the twelve, arrived. With him was a large crowd armed with swords and clubs, sent from the chief priest and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man. Arrest him. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. Jesus replied, Do, you do what you came for, friend. Then the men stepped forward, seized Jesus, and arrested him. With that, one of Jesus' companions reached for his sword, drew it out, and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Put your sword back in its place, Jesus said to him, for all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Do you think I cannot call on my father, and he will once put at my disposal more than twelve legions of angels? But how then would the scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen in this way? 
In that hour, Jesus to the crowd, in that hour, Jesus said to the crowd, Am I leading a rebellion that you have come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I sat in the temple courts teaching, and you did not arrest me. But this has all taken place that the writings of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples deserted him and fled. This is the word of the Lord. Let's say another word of prayer. Thank, Lord, thank you, Lord, for the privilege and opportunity that you have uh, given to us tonight, that you place us to become a part of this body, and you've provided this building for us. And the songs that we've sang and the pre people that you've uh, moved, Lord God, to serve you in any which way, Lord God, so in order for us to have this service Sunday after Sunday, Lord God. <laughs> Father, we ask for your power um, to help us, Lord God, guide us, Father, tonight. I pray, Father God, that you teach us, open the eyes of our hearts and our minds, Lord God. We know that you are the true teacher. So, Father, please be with us and, and just anoint my lips, Lord God, speak through me. And we ask, Lord God, for the forgiveness of our sins. Let nothing, Lord God, hinder us from hearing you and obeying you. And we pray, Father, for everything to work perfectly, Lord God. We pray for the distractions to be cut, Lord God, to be removed. And Father, may you um, be, be pleased with us tonight. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, again, fulfillment, as we go through it, we just read the account of Jesus being captured. And the first point, uh, some observations that I want to uh, share here with us is, the first point is God knows, right? So, so the fulfillment, everything that's written down in the Bible will be, has been fulfilled and will be fulfilled. Amen? Amen. And because our God knows it, and in our prayer service on Wednesdays, uh, as much as we talk about prayer, we've been talking about God's um, character of that He is omniscient. And omniscient means having the knowledge of all things, universal knowledge. This word comes from two Latin roots, omnis, which means all, and scientia, which means knowledge. Scientia is the same word that we get our English word science. When Christians say God is omniscient, they mean that God knows all things, the past, the present, and the future. God is the source of all knowledge. God also knows all the potentialities of any situation. God knows every person's thoughts, even before they think it. Does that give you peace? <laughs> it gives me peace, other than that static that's just been going on. God knows that that static will bother us tonight, right? So let's pray that it'll, be, it'll go away. So God knows. Look at verse 45. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping? Look, the hour has come. The Son of Man is to be delivered to the hand of sinners. Rise, here comes my betrayer. Nothing was a surprise to the Lord. Amen? Even him being in that place, Jesus knew that Judas knew where it was. Right? If you read the other accounts of John and in Luke and in Mark, it says there that Judas knew that place. So if Jesus was trying to hide from being captured, he would have not gone to that place. Correct? So him going to that place alone is an indicator that Jesus was not, was not captured, but actually he, he gave 
himself to him, to them. This is, that's what's written down in the word too. Everything, nothing in this world or in our lives ever surprises God. When we screw up, God doesn't say, oh no, what am I going to do now? Joe messed up again. He is not a reactionary God, but a sovereign God. He's an all-knowing God. Now, um, in, in, sorry, let me try to pray real fast. <laughs> he knows all things. Amen? He knew that this was going to happen to him, but he went there voluntarily. He knew that he was going to die on the cross in a very horrific way, but he went anyway. Now in Mark 8.31 it reads, Then he began to teach them that it was necessary for the Son of Man to suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, elders chief priests, and scribes, be killed and rise after three days. And then again in Matthew 26, too, it reads, As you know, the Passover is two days away, and the Son of Man will be handed over to be crucified. See, God knew it, right? From before that event, Jesus was already talking about what was going to happen. Correct? Should I just switch mics? Okay. Thank you. Let's just do that. Mic check. Okay. So it was the new lapel mic, huh? <laughs> so, you know, so some people get in their sentimentality emotions and then they say they feel like Jesus was a victim. You know, have you heard that? Some people would say that Jesus was a victim of his circumstance. Because as much as Jesus is an innocent man, he wasn't a victim of this whole thing. This was orchestrated by God for us. So it wasn't an incident that people made up, but it was to play out for the salvation of the world. Imagine that you have all the power in the world and then with that one power, one of your purposes on how you're going to use it is that you will suffer. Do you imagine? Can you imagine? Will you do that? If you, if you have the power, the ultimate power in all the universe, will your first line of business will be, hey, one of these days I will go down to these people and this world that I created and I will suffer. No, none of us would. None of us would. I heard somebody say, if I had the power to go back in time, I probably would not do it, he said. Because then it makes no sense for me to do anything after that because I'll just go back and repeat and not make the same mistake because I, I'm learning from my mistakes as I continue to live. So that made me realize that God knowing Everything. He knew he was going to suffer. He knew he was going to be betrayed. But yet he still did it. And what was his motivation? His motivation was his love for you and for me. A love that's not going to be repaid. Right? 
I mean, we try, right? We try, but yet we fail constantly. But God knows. God knows. So everything in this event that we just read, God knew it. The second point is the betrayal. In verse 21, it reads, And while they were eating, he says there, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. And in the account of Luke 22, 47 to 48, while he was still speaking, a crowd came up. And the man who was called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He approached Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus asked him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? I, I know three weeks ago, I think four weeks ago, we discussed this briefly. But this, this, there's some more lessons here. Now, in the culture of the first century Israel, a kiss was not always a romantic expression of love. Rather, a kiss on the cheek was a common greeting, a sign of deep respect, honor, and brotherly, brotherly love. Um, for a student who had great respect for his teacher, a kiss fell feel well within the fell well in within the healthy expression of honor. What really stands out is the mode of Judas's betrayal. Is that Judas used such an intimate expression of love and respect to betray Jesus? In respect to betray Jesus, Judas's actions are hypocritical in the extreme. His action said, I respect you and honor you, right? At the exact time, he was betraying Jesus to be murdered. Now, Judas' action illustrates Proverbs 27, 6, where it reads, The wounds of a friend are trustworthy, but the kisses of an enemy are excessive. Now, I think all of us at one time in our lives, maybe more, for, unfortunately for some, have been betrayed by someone that have been expressing their love for us, have embraced us, has kissed us, we've treated them as brother or sister or family, but yet as much as they say the right things or do the right things, their heart was never really there for us. Imagine Jesus in his darkest hour, right? One of his darkest hour before going to the cross he was being betrayed by a person who spent his life for three years. He discipled Judas for three long years. Judas was part of everything that they did. Now, before we judge Judas, we have to look at our actions as well. Have there been times that we have traded God and our relationship with him for less than 30 pieces of silver. You know, church, we have to be careful because Judas, now us Christians, we will never be, Satan can never touch us. But here in these two verses here, we saw that Satan entered. In Luke 22, 3, it reads, Then Satan entered Judas, called Iscariot, who was the number, who was one of the number of the twelve. John 13, 2. Now when it was time for supper, the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas, Simon Iscariot's son, to betray him. Now, we have discussed it in the past. We've mentioned it in the past that we do have an enemy, Satan. And we are not to just, we are not to be afraid of him, but at the same time, we cannot play around with this, this truth. 
Satan can influence other folks to bother our peace. Satan can occupy other folks to ruin our unity. Amen? Now, Satan can only do what God allows him to do. He has a limit, especially to us believers. Remember in Romans 8.28, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, those who are called according to his purpose. If you remember the story of Job, everything that went to Job's life, all the sufferings were limited, allowed but limited by God, as Satan wanted to do it. Now we see that Satan entered Judas there, even before he went to the chief priest to betray Jesus. Satan possessed Judas in the hopes. Now this is why Satan used Judas, Judas's betrayal, is to dis dishearten Jesus to go to the cross. See, Satan knew what the cross meant. That's why from the very beginning, before Jesus' baptism, Satan has been tempting Jesus. Remember, I will give you wealth, honor, right? Just don't, just don't serve me. Don't serve your father. So in this point, G Satan was tempting Jesus to give up. Give up on these people. Because not just Judas, we're going to read later the, 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 the other disciples leaving Jesus. And Jesus already knew that Peter was going to deny him too. So Satan was in the work. He was busy to discourage Jesus to go to the cross so that Jesus will not die for the sins of the world. But we know, we know, if you've been, if you've been a Christian for a, for a long time, right, or even for a short time, you know that Jesus went to the cross, he died for the sins of the world, then he resurrected after the third day. Psalm 41.9. You know what? Maybe we should bring the static back. <laughs> Even my close friend, someone I trusted, one who shared my bread, has turned against me. This is uh, David writing that. And then again in, in, in Psalm 55.12-14. Uh, if an enemy were insulting me, I could endure it. If a foe were rising against me, I could hide. But it is you, a man like myself, my companion, my close friend, with whom I once enjoyed sweet fellowship at the house of God as we walked about among the worshipers. They belong to one same church. And then in Job 19, 19, all my intimate friends abhor me, and those whom I love have turned against me. Once Judas gave the kiss, the deed was done. Jesus was betrayed into the government's hands to be crucified. Judas was seized with remorse, as we, if you read in Matthew 27, 3, over what he'd done. He gave, he tried to give the money back to the temple authorities, and then after that, out of his extreme guilt, he hunged himself. He hanged himself. <clears throat> for 30 pieces of silver. For 30 pieces of silver. 30 pieces of silver is what you pay a slave for. So what was Judas, what was Jesus to Judas? Like a slave. You know, some people who pretend to be Christians or want to be Christians is because they're just out there to get things from God. Judas wanted the influence. He liked the honor. 
He liked being part of the healing ministry. He liked being recognized as one of Jesus' disciples. He liked all of that. He loved it. He loved the fact that he was the treasurer of the disciples. And he was stealing from the donations. He loved money more than he loved God. He never really loved God, actually. To the point that he took 30 pieces of silver for a person whom he saw heal and resurrect the dead. Imagine. He saw all of that, everything that we read, right? He saw the, the resurrection of Lazarus. He saw the healing of the lepers. He saw Jesus walk on water. He saw Jesus calm down the storm in the Sea of Galilee. He, know, he knew all about it. But at the end of the day, what truly mattered to G Judas, what truly was in Judas's heart was, well, you know what? If you are not a political power that Israel will never gain back our, our power against the Romans, then I don't want you. A lot of people have said that because their prayers weren't answered. You know, healing did not come. The baby did not come. The husband did not come back or the wife continued to cheat because things became difficult. They just completely dumped God altogether because they did not get what they truly wanted from him, which was just blessings. Now, Judas obviously only served his master, which is money. Matthew 6.24 reads, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, in 1 Kings 18.21, it reads, Then Elijah approached all the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. Right? Remember when, when, when Elijah challenged the, the prophets of Baal and they had like somewhat of a tournament? And then it was proven that God was real and theirs was fake. And what did he say? If God is real, serve him. Now, Christians, we believe, if you have accepted Jesus, right, you are a believer of Jesus Christ. Now, if that is the case, you have to ask yourself and look in the mirror, do your own spiritual inventory. Are you living for him or are you live, living for money? How is your life being spent? Is it more for the luxury the comfort of the world, or is it for what God wants from you? Now, we can serve God at our workplace. I'm not saying that we can't. We can serve God in everything that we do. Because if, we're, if our mindset and our heart is in everything that I do, I do it for the Lord, then we're praising and worshiping Him in all those places. But if those things come before our relationship with the Lord, then there's something wrong. Now, there's no treachery worse than a betrayal by a family member or a friend. Now, there is an example 
less than Jesus, but just an illustration. Julius Caesar knew this betrayal. Now, among the conspirators who assassinated the the Roman leader on March 15, 44 B.C., it was Marcus Junius Brutus. Caesar not only trusted Brutus, but he had favored him as a son. Now, according to the Roman historians, Caesar first resisted the onslaught of the assassins. But when he saw Brutus among them with his dagger drawn, Caesar ceased to struggle and pulling the top part of his robe over his face, asked the famous question, You too, Brutus? Now, imagine Jesus. If That's heart-wrenching. And you have your own experiences of betrayal. When you were truly counting on that person to be there for you, and that moment of your need, they left you, they abandoned you. What more Jesus? He gave Judas many outs, if we... If to use our own terms now, right? He sat right next to the the, illust- the the depiction of Da Vinci and the painting of the Last Supper is incorrect. They, they, the, the biblical scholar said that uh, Judas was actually to the honors right next to Jesus on the left side. So when Jesus spoke to him, he was actually giving him an out. Sit here, my friend. But Judas still took took the 30 pieces of silver. Now, how about the third part? The the third observation is the deserted. Um, In verse 31, on the the way, Jesus told them, Tonight, all of you will desert me. For the scriptures say, God will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. That's in Zechariah Zechariah 13.7. And again, we Read that in verse 55 to 56. In that hour, Jesus said to the crowd, Am I leading a rebellion that you come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Now, the, the, the biblical scholar said that the people, you know what, we, if you've seen a movie about this, it's a poor depiction. They said there was about 600 people with, with the clubs and the swords, with, with the, the torches, going to capture, that went there to capture Jesus, about 600, that many people to capture Jesus. Because they, uh, the event before that was Jesus uh, showed his strength and anger in the temple when he took out those people, remember? When he said, you have used, my, my, my father's house should be a house of prayer, not a, and you've made it into a den of thieves. So they were somewhat concerned that Jesus will fight back. Um, so they were there, and then with the torches, they really, it was a full, full moon, according to uh, a message I heard. It was a full moon that night, because every Passover, it seems to be on record that it was always full moon, so it was actually bright. But they were anticipating that Jesus will run. And in the Mount of Olives, there's, there's a, uh, a lot of trees where Jesus could hide. So they thought, they were anticipating that he would run and they would have the torches to find him. But then Jesus said, am I leading a rebellion? As, as Jesus was talking, and then he was captured, when the rubber met the road, the disciples deserted him and fled. Now, if it's written down, right, if it's written down, 
because it says here, but this has all taken place that the writings of the prophets might be fulfilled. If it's written down, if God said it, then we can take it to the bank that it will happen. What's the comforting thing there? Because a lot of things that are written down there are promises by God. Number one, that I always take and, 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 and love is, I will never leave you nor forsake you, Jesus said. Because in this life, we will always feel alone. Amen? Doesn't matter if you're married or not. There's a lot of married people that feel lonely despite the presence of their spouse. It doesn't matter if you're around people, plenty of people, but if you are isolated and alone, then you feel that. But then you take God's written word and his promise that he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So I take that and it gives me comfort because it's true. And then trouble in the world is happening. This war with Russia and Ukraine, the, the rumors of World War III. What, what's the other promise that we can hold on to that? That God knows about it, right? God knows. And then if something happens to us, the worst thing that happens to us is what? We die. Where do we go? It's written down. If we have received Jesus as our Lord, we'll, we will be with him in heaven. For he prepared a place for us. Some of us, we don't want that. We'd rather be in Boracay, right? <laughs> we have plans. Pastor Joe, we have plans. Going back to Mexico, <laughs> you know, going to Jamaica, you know. Let's not talk about heaven yet. But if it's written down, it's going to happen. Now, we have to ask ourselves, how many times in our lives have we denied Jesus? Because Peter denied Jesus, and then they, they, they abandoned Jesus, how many of our actions or inactions or lack of words or unwillingness to give God the glory during the times of great during times of great blessings? How many times have we chosen not to say praise God? Or we say praise God, but our actions don't follow that. We say, Thank you, Lord, for this job. And then from now on, I'm not going to go to church <laughs> because my schedule doesn't work for you. Or we say, praise God, you've given me all this money, Lord. You've blessed me tremendously, but I'm keeping it because I worked for it. Or we say, praise God, I know where I'm going to go if I die. But then a mission trip to the Muslim nation, that's not on the, on the board <laughs> because that's dangerous. Mission trip to California, I could do. Now, Jesus told us, now the, the disciples is, a, is an illustration. It's a, they are examples of us, too. Now, remember, last week's service, I think, the message last week was, Jesus told them to pray, right? Pray, lest they fall into temptation. But did they do it? No, they went to sleep. Now, when Jesus says, again, when Jesus said it, it will happen, right? If Jesus says it, count it, that it will, it's true. So how is your prayer life, Christian? How's your prayer life? Do you only pray when there's trouble? Good, that's a good thing. Again, if, if there's trouble, that's the time to pray too. But do we only have to wait 
Do we really have to wait for trouble to come before we become intimate with the Lord in our prayer life? And then do we always only expect blessings from God? That should be a real question. You should be asking yourself that. Do I really only expect blessings in this Christian life? Because someone said it, right? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in the future. Jeremiah 29, 11. Blessings altogether. There's be trials. No, there's trials, right? There will be times that our faith will be challenged. By how? By the challenges in our lives that will make us question our faith. Are there sacrifices that I need to do in this Christian life? Because I didn't see that. I just know that it says there, take delight in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. But, you know, the first part, we forget the take delight in the Lord. We just like the, He will give you the desires of your heart. So if you're not delighting in the Lord, your desires of your heart will be misaligned, correct? So now you're wondering, why am I not getting the desires of my heart? Because the desires of your heart is not according to God's will. Because you're not connected with God. Because God truly just wants you. Because God is a jealous God. That's ridiculous, Pastor Joe. <laughs> it is, huh? Because life should be good. Life with Jesus is good. Life with Jesus is good. That's true. But Jesus himself said, in this life, you will have trouble. I didn't say that. He did. But behold, I have overcome the world. You know, life without Jesus will still be difficult. Talk to your unbelieving friends and family. Life without Jesus is difficult as well. They might be experiencing blessings, material blessings right now. But still, they're, they're, they're not exempted from trouble. They're not exempted from, from getting sick, from getting harm on the way. Same with us. What makes us different? What makes us different is that we have God on those times, during those times. The other thing that's different from us is this. Um... Here, Luke 9.23 reads, Then he said to them, If anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Did Jesus deny himself of safety? Yes. Did Jesus deny himself of the good things in life? The answer is yes. Did Jesus deny himself of the royalty that he deserves, that he had in heaven? The answer is yes. And if we are to follow our Lord, and we call him Lord, right? We are to deny ourselves. Christianity is a lot about denying ourselves, especially us American Christians. Because us, us here in America, there's many things for us to get. It's in the tip of our fingers, correct? We can get a job, a good paying job, and we could buy the nice car, the nice house, go to nice places, eat the good things in life, and forget about God. Because money acts as if it's God, correct? That's what money is for the unbeliever. Oh, I, I don't have to pray if I can go to the Philippines today because I can afford it. Because I have the money. But a person who doesn't have money, they pray. Lord, 
can I bring, can you please bring me to the Philippines? Help me bring, go back to the Philippines. They'll pray. There's prayer. The prayer of a, a Christian believer in the Philippines who is poor, when they pray for the food, Lord, thank you for the food that we're about to eat, is a deeper prayer than the Christian who's praying that in a rushing way. Lord, thank you for this food. Right? Because my break's almost done. I can't really pray right now. Right? Well, see, there's a lot of denying in Christian life. This is, this is what's missing. This is what's missing in our churches. We have to ask ourselves, is this what's missing in my life? Us Christians, we are to deny ourselves. We're just not to just splurge on the blessings of the Lord. Right? We're de you're denying yourself of, of an afternoon nap right now, sitting here. Some of you are still napping, but it's all right. But at least you're in the house of the Lord, <laughs> taking that holy nap. <laughs> you will have the holy strength. <laughs> <laughs> right, but, but there's denial. There, we deny ourselves of good things that we can take, that the world will say, there's nothing wrong with that, Joe. Work on a Sunday. Show a house. Who cares? It's for, if you're working, you're not dealing drugs. You're working. No, but you're saying, no, but my Sunday is for the Lord. Go on that trip. Who cares if you're missing your responsibilities at church? You deserve it, right? And you're going to say, that's true. I work for this. And you know, the, the, the trips, again, you go on a trip. My whole point is this. When you go on a trip, go to a church. Go to church. Find a church and you can join. Because that vacation was made by the Lord for you. And it's just right that you recognize him in, in wherever you are. Amen? Denying yourself. You're denying yourself another hour. Why do I have to go to church, man? Because you want to honor God. You want to deny yourself. If we don't deny ourselves, we're just going to continue to feed our sinful nature. Right? It's either you feed your new self or your old self. Next point, fulfillment of God's will. With that, one of Jesus' companions reached for the sword, drew it out, and struck the servant. And then look at verse, we'll jump to verse uh, 52. Put your sword back in its place, Jesus said to him, for all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Do you think I cannot put, I cannot call on my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? But how then would the scriptures be fulfilled? That they say that say it must happen this way. I like how Matthew was discreet here, but then if you go to John, John said it's Peter. <laughs> it was Peter who drew the sword, right? Peter must have been thinking, "No, this is my opportunity to prove myself to Jesus." Remember in that dinner, he said, "Lord, if everybody deserts you, me, I will be there for you over my dead body." So he was strapped, right? He had a sword. When the guys came, the funny thing is, Peter picked the guy who was unarmed. And the scholars, the biblical scholars said that most likely this guy had his back turned. <laughs> so Peter, you know, was a shrewd fisherman. <laughs> so he struck the guy that didn't have, couldn't defend himself just to prove himself to Jesus. But then Jesus said, look, 
you know, a legion, one legion is um, 6,000 soldiers, right? So when Jesus said, I can call, he can, I can call 12 legions of angels, that's 72,000 angels. And we've read it, in, if you read the Bible in, in, the, uh, in the Old Testament, it only took one angel to beat the Assyrians. So for Jesus, if he really wanted it, if he really wanted it to end, if he really didn't want to go through the suffering or the spitting, the slaps, the crucifixion, he could have rescued himself, Correct? But again, why did he go through it? It's because of his love for us. Because that was the only way for us to be with him. Now realizing that, doesn't that challenge, doesn't that challenge your, the way you live for him? Knowing that you mean so much to God and it cost him so much so that we can be with him. Shouldn't, that really tell our, shouldn't we really tell ourselves, you know what? It's time for me not to take this for granted. I need to live for him. Shouldn't that be the one that should be processing there in our hearts and in our minds? That it was no joke for us to be with him. He had to deny himself of comfort, safety, even though he had the power to. Now, many times as believers, we think that God has called us to be his protectors, just like Peter. We think we were called to be God's attorneys or lawyers. We must have missed it when he says, there be my witnesses. There's a big difference between an attorney and a witness. A witness just says what you have seen, right? What you know about him. How God has worked in your life. What God has done in your life. You are to witness. You're an eyewitness. You are to say it. Now many people want to serve God without listening. Without listening to him. We want to serve him the way we want to serve him. Like what Peter did here. Jesus has been telling them, I will be captured. I will die on the cross. What did he say? No. And then his actions follow it. Here, cut the ear. I'm going to fight. We're going to get into a fight. You're not going to be captured. Right? If you look at it, sometimes we want to serve God in ways that he doesn't want us to serve him. Because on the places that he wants us to serve him, we don't want it. I, I'm... I, I, when I say this, it's not because I don't want it. I'm, I'm honored. <laughs> but I did not want it before. I did not want to be a pastor. But I knew God was calling me. And I really was running as far as away from it. And I was trying to justify it to the Lord. Lord. Look, Lord, this is me. I think you really made a mistake. Don't call me. I'm not worthy. But there are times we have to realize that it's for, for us to please God, we have to serve Him the way He wants us to. Now, if that means to be a security guard at church, be the best security guard at church. Right? Now, if it means that you're going to be a deacon, be the best deacon. Youth leader, be the best youth leader. 
for him. A singer, a drummer, whatever, wherever God has called you, that's where he wants you. So be that. Now in Isaiah 64, 6, all of us have become like one who is unclean and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf and like the wind our sins sweep us away. And in Romans 3.25 reads, For God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. Why am I citing these verses? Because this is why Jesus continued on. His heart must have been breaking. Don't you agree? For Judas to betray him with the action of kiss, of a kiss, an action of affection and love. His heart must have been breaking because he's probably thinking, man, I, I, I took care of you for three years. I've, I've, I've shared with you all the things of my kingdom. I helped you. I healed you. But yet you betrayed me. Then his disciples left and he said, I told you guys to pray. Now you guys are abandoning me. I needed you to pray with me. You know, so. But Jesus went through it all because like Peter, our swords, our actions is not enough to save us. It wasn't enough and it wasn't going to be the way that God will be. He didn't need to rescue God. Our good works can never rescue us from the fires of hell. So when you are with your friend, your close friend, the person that you really love and you truly respect, but you know they have not surrendered their life to Christ, please don't make it about your standard. Because I hear, I hear this too often. Well, Pastor Joe, you know, this person, I know they're, not, they're unbelievers, but you know they're better people than me. Great. I'm glad they're better people than you, but that doesn't save them. Because it has nothing to do with your standards. It's all based on what God has done on the cross. Because our good works are like filthy rags. Menstrual cloth. This is the real translation. And it's as easy. Because of Jesus' obedience, because of his obedience, going through those heartache and the betrayal, just look at this. People are made right with God or righteous in right standing when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life. And it wasn't cheap because he shed his blood. The betrayal of Judas and the desertion of the disciples and the show of power of the Roman soldiers and the temple guards was Satan's way to derail Jesus to go to the cross. Satan knew that Jesus is a suffering servant mentioned in Isaiah. Satan knew who Jesus was, which is why he tried to tempt Jesus in the desert and then, and then again here to derail God for, of the plan of saving the world by Jesus dying on the cross. Now we have to praise God for continuing on despite these heartaches that went through on his way there. This is not even physical pain yet. These are all emotional pain, right? Next week, we're going to go see 
and read about and study about the physical pain, the torment that Jesus went through. So again, hopefully, all these things, as we recollect them, as we absorb them, as we meditate on them, as we pray about them, as we remember them throughout the week, I pray and I'm hoping that this will brew love for the Lord. Amen? And our love for Him will grow obedience to whatever it is that He is asking us to do on how we are to live our lives for Him. Because it wasn't cheap, church. It wasn't cheap. Amen? Amen. Let's close in prayer. Thank you for your patience. Father, we thank you for your message for us this evening. We thank you for guiding us throughout the scriptures, Lord God. And we thank you, more importantly, for, again, you obeying your Father's will and command, Lord God, to die on the cross. Despite the many heartaches that the people have already done towards you. Despite knowing that we can never repay you, you still did it, Lord God. Forgive us, Lord, for the many times that we traded you for less than 30 coins of silver. Forgive us, Lord, for the times that we have not denied ourselves, but actually indulged ourselves, knowing that we are not living for you if we do. Forgive us, Lord, for despite us knowing what you want us to do, we disobeyed you clearly and blindly so we can satisfy ourselves. Help us now, Lord God, as we know about this truth again about you and about your sacrifice, about you shedding your blood for us. We pray, Father God, that you will empower us. And because of your love for us, Lord God, it will brew love for you. And our love for you will brew obedience, Lord God, to everything and anything that you ask us to do. We ask this in your Son's sweet and mighty name, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And all the Lord's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's all rise for the closing song. And if you have any decisions you want to make this evening, if you want to accept.